This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 177, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, June 18th. This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 177. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and this is our Comic Reviews episode for the week of Wednesday, uh, June 18th. Now, you will notice that it is far past that date as this episode is coming out. Uh, in fact, uh, it's probably over a week now. Uh, I record this on Thursday, the 26th of June. Uh, so unfortunately this episode is later than normal. Uh, so as a result, it's going to be a lot shorter than normal too, because the books are, you know, eight days old at least. Um, so I'm just going to kind of briefly, I usually spend a little bit more time going through each, each uh, issue, creative teams with the general direction. I'm going to be a lot faster. This is going to be a much faster episode than normal. Um, so if you're looking for a more in-depth review episode, that'll be next week uh, for the comics that come out June 25th. Uh, so let's just jump right into it. Um, uh, so first up, we have none other than Avengers 31. This continues the original sin, theoretically the original sin tie-in in the Avengers book, but realistically speaking, that's not really what we're seeing. Um, instead, we're doing something completely different. Uh, it's by Hickman and Lionel Francis Yu. Um, I'm not a big fan of it. It's so it's 500 years into the future. Uh, the Avengers kind of find themselves. So it's Captain America, Black Widow, etc. It seems to be a weird Ultron world. Um, I personally didn't find that this that interesting. I I guess I do find it interesting, but I also don't find, get what the point is. Like it's one of those things where I think when it's all over, it's going to be really cool to see how it all kind of fits together and what these future you know glimpses of the future mean. But right now, it just feels like. Not a lot of forward momentum. We're just getting these these long, drawn-out panels to kind of get an idea of what this future's like, but it's kind of more cryptic. It's very Hickman, but it's not necessarily the most engaging. Um, so because of that, I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. It's not like it wasn't well-written. It just it didn't go anywhere. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's kind of the main reason why I'm only giving it a 6 out of 10. Uh, next up is Avengers World, and this is issue number 8. Now, this book has been extremely all over the place like you know the issues just don't feel that connected or they do but not every issue back-to-back issues like last issue was the issue where we finally got to see what happened with shang chu when he was kicked off the you know the floating mountain here we go back to what starbrand and his squad of avengers were doing so i just don't like how there's not a lot of continu- inner continuity within the book because it feels like we're just kind of ping-ponging from place to place uh it's written by nick spencer with arco artwork by marco Cicchetto. I do like the artwork. I do like the, how the characters are written here, um, especially with the Black Knight showing up, although I kind of wonder about Black Knight just because he's shown one way here, which is completely different from Original Sins, I believe, number two, which came out actually this past week on the 25th. Um, which I, I love that story, so I'm kind of more curious here as to he's being shown as really having nothing wrong with him at all. Um I mean, this this was an okay issue, and I, I like the idea with uh, we're dealing with Morgan Le Fay, but there's, again, not a lot of forward momentum. Um, kind of got glimpses of what could be interesting, kind of nuggets of story, and uh, Jachetto's artwork is great, but it just it failed to truly uh, captivate me. So I'm just going to give it a 6 out of 10. Uh, next up is Batman and Rosal Ghoul, number 32. This was uh, enjoyable, uh, for sure. Uh, artwork is by Patrick Gleason, Tomasi wrote it. Uh, we continue to see the battle between, uh, well, in this issue, Frankenstein, uh, Batman, and Ra's al Ghul. Um, 
I really like the, the, the fight between Batman and Rosal Ghoul. It's pretty brutal. And then the end the issue ends and Glorious Godfrey and the you know, the Horrors of Apocalypse show up. And it's just kinda like up until then I would have given the issue an, like definitely an eight. And I'm still gonna give it an eight, but it's just that last page kinda takes it away from something. Like it was just such a relatively reality-based story. I mean, you're dealing with resurrections and a guy who's like an immortal, so it's not that realistic, but within the confines of those parameters, it was still relatively realistic, and suddenly the forces of Apocalypse show up. So that kind of took me out of it. Um, next up is Batman Eternal number 11, as the weekly series continues onwards. Uh, it's just like all the other issues. Uh, it is written by Scott Snyder and James Tini in the fourth on story. Tim Seeley on script. Ray Fox and John Lehman are the consulting writers with Ian Bertram as the artist uh, with the colors by Dave Stewart. Um, I can't quite think of the artist that this makes me think of. Um, it's not quietly, but someone similar, like maybe Fraser Irving. Maybe not even that. Um, the artwork here, I actually really dug it. It was definitely different and a lot of lines, um, but I thought it was really interesting, and each character had a very uh, definitive uh, look. Um, uh, it's, I mean, the story with Batgirl fighting this weird character was kind of strange. I do like the background on the Clue Master. I thought that was really well done. Um, having a Gocho show up was pretty cool. Red Hood has never seemed so barrel-chested and, and like, wide, but I do like the, the look on Batgirl. There's just something kind of playful about uh, the artwork here that I really enjoyed. Um, not sure where they're going with some of these storylines, especially the uh, Pennyworth's Daughter, but for the most part, it's still an enjoyable book. Um, I miss Gordon being more of a regular feature, but it's a weekly, and there's a reason why not every character gets to spotlight every issue. So I gave it a 7.5. Um, next up is Daredevil, number 4, which continues to be a fantastic book. Uh, it's written by Mark Wade, artwork by Chris Somney. Um, it's gorgeous. Uh, the storytelling by Somni is fantastic. The the writing by Wade, um, how he uses the Shroud and and Daredevil and the, their assorted powers and uh, even the Owl, like it is so fascinating. Um, I really really dug this, and I'm gonna give this a an eight and a half. If you know what, I'm, I'm gonna give it a nine. It's just such a it's such a absolute pleasure to read. Every issue, it just especially Mark Wade just imbues it with a sense of fun, and then Chris Somni is the perfect artist. I think the only artist who might be a better fit for this book, and this is to take nothing away from Chris Omni, but in fact is more as a compliment, would be Mark, um, Michael Waringo. Uh, because, this, I mean, they, they bring this lighter style that's still able to have the, the, the darker aspects of the character and of the action illustrated in that artwork, but it's still it, it's just got this kind of fun style. It's not quite cartoony. Well, in Waringo's case it would be, but here it's not quite cartoony, but it definitely has a a certain feeling to it. It's hard to describe, but it's just such a nice feeling of a book um, that even when it's dealing with kind of the darker side of super super heroics, it still is just so much fun. Um, Next up is Elektra number three, which continues to be a gorgeous looking book. Um, It's written by uh, was it um, W. Hayden Blackman with artwork by Michael Del Mundo, who is just killing it. I mean, this book is gorgeous. Um, the artwork is fantastic. It's just, it's it's very different. It's not what you usually would expect from a, a Marvel book. It's, it's like no other house style that's out there. Uh, it's almost ethereal at times. And this the this character who's been like ingesting people and and in, ingesting their blood and getting their memories, etc. Like it is so interesting. Uh, this is not in in any way 
the electric story I thought I'd be getting, and I don't mean that in a bad way at all. I mean, this is. I remember reading interviews and being like, I don't know if they really, if I'm really going to like this. It felt like they were going to go kind of back to basics, and they do that every time with the character. But instead, this does feel like a, a move forward. It's not where she was in Dark Rain, which was one of my favorite electric stories, but this is just absolutely exquisite looking. So I will give it a nine out of ten as a result. It's so good. Uh, next up is. Uh, Manhattan Projects 21 uh, this is by uh, Jonathan Hickman with artwork by Ryan Brown uh, I do like Brian Brown's artwork although it's just it's not the same as seeing an issue by Nick Patara who coincidentally if you haven't listened to it yet was on episode 176 is our conversation with Nick Patara episode where we actually got an hour and a half to uh, have a chat with uh, Nick on Skype and it was pretty interesting um, getting to hear his influences um what he brings to Manhattan Projects, the little things that may, you may not have noticed until he really de- details it out for you. Um, this issue, I like that it was the focus on, on I guess, Laika, Laika, the dog, the cosmonaut dog, uh, seeing what happens to her, and she becomes a, a, a kind of a humanoid, which I wasn't sure how I felt about that, because I kind of liked it just being a dog, but um, it definitely introduces some new potential alien characters, it's very different in some ways because it's so out there. Like, we've seen aliens already, but we've never really gone that far from Earth. Although we've gone alternate dimensions, so what am I talking about? But uh, still quite good. I'm going to give it a 7. It's not as strong as some of the previous issues. But I think eventually, once like it comes back, we will feel like this was a stronger chapter. Um, that being said, again, it didn't have the Hickman artwork, which I would have liked. And it, you might hear in the background my cats have decided to attack each other. Um, which is only funny because my, my cats are named Parker and Gwen, and now they've decided to fight each other. Which is not very Parker and Gwenish. Uh, next up is New 52, um, and it is Future's End, uh, number 7, I guess. Um, so, I, I don't even know if I've read the last issue. I'm pretty sure I did, but that's how I feel about this book, though. I feel like I don't even need to read the past issue, like... Oh, sorry, not that I don't need to, but each issue kind of makes me feel like I haven't read the last one. Uh, we start off in the Phantom Zone, uh, dealing with Frankenstein and Lady Amethyst going up against uh, a disembodied Black Adam. Um, I, I just don't get the point of this book. We get to see more of Lois Lane, who I guess runs her own organization, and is also trying to be a detective and finding out what's going on. We see more about Ronald Raymond. He lost his mom, obviously, at some point during the five years, and that's kind of what, what's prompted his change. Uh, we see more on Grifter, and we also have uh, Mr. Terrific hunting down Batman Beyond, and then uh, Mr. Terrific is now in uh, possession of the robot cyborg from the future, which had been carted around in a shopping cart. Uh, it's written by Bron Azzarello, Jeff Lemire, Dan Jorgens, and Keith Giffen, with pencils by Aaron Lopresti. I'm just not that impressed. Half the time it focuses on characters I don't really care about. It doesn't take place in the here and now DC Universe, which doesn't help it any, in terms of grounding it. So I'm going to give it just a 5. Uh, next up is Nova, number what number are we at? 18 already. This is an original Sin tie-in. It had to happen. Um, it's written by Jerry Dugan with artwork by David Baldion. Um, I really kind of like the story of kind of having all these Nova helmets and they're honoring them. Um, that was really cool, seeing Nova kind of go into space to join um, Uatu and finding that he's been killed. And then him trying to kind of be part of the big battle against... Um, the orb, etc., was really interesting. Um, although it's weird because I don't really remember him really being there for the battle, but I guess they're kind of showing what happens because he's so quick. Um, and now we get to see that he's remembering something. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's interesting to see like what uh, what 
the glimpse of the past means to Sam and what's going to happen next. Although, in the middle of a kind of a battle zone, taking off your helmet and becoming a human being, maybe not the greatest idea. Um, but uh, I still enjoyed it. It was interesting. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Next up is Original Sin number 4. I guess this is the big release of the week. Um, God, I don't even know what's going on in this book. I mean, it just feels like they're spending a lot of... Jason Aaron and Mike Diodato, sorry, are the uh, creative team. There's a lot of time showing that there's a mysterious boss who's been kind of sending out all these teams, and it looked like they're kind of working for Nick Fury, but maybe not. So you have Doctor Strange and Punisher, who kind of the weirdest odd couple ever, but also very fun. Uh, Bucky goes to the blue area of the moon through the, uh, t- the travel device we saw previously, and I think in a Marvel Point One issue a few years ago. Um, we have uh, Black Panther's team go to the moon. We have uh, Hulk and uh, Wolverine find the decapitated Nick Fury, and then Doctor Strange and Punisher show up. They take them out of the equation and they take the body with them. They also pick up the orb. Uh, basically, everyone is ending up on this decommissioned special space station, uh, and then it would appear that uh, we have an old Nick Fury. Now, that being said, I don't know why this is such a shock to some people because at the end of Battle Scars, he didn't have the Infinity Formula anymore, so it's not that outside the realm of possibility that now he's going to be aging. Although I just don't really get what the point is here with he's assembling this team, and then there's like him assembling the team, and then there's also. Like, the Nick Fury we were seeing, who's then the one who got decapitated. Like, I guess my problem with this is, what is the point? Like, yes, the Watcher died. That's bad. Orb somehow gets his eye. Okay. I don't see the point of the whole, oh man, Winter Soldier, he's so pissed, he goes back to Earth and kills uh, Nick Fury and then traces the signal in the head and then finds the real Nick Fury. Like, really? That, like, what was the point of these two issues? Like, I just, I'm not really getting it maybe like I, it's fr- I'm finding it hard to really be truly engaged because I just don't get what the point is like where is the story going it doesn't even feel like a real murder mystery anymore because like they go to all this time to have this mysterious person who we all kind of figured was Nick Fury anyway cobbled together this investigative team of weirdos but what are they really doing like I, I just I don't even know what's going on and I find that frustrating maybe I just need to read all the issues again and maybe it'll make more sense but I feel like there's just a lot of missing pieces a lot of weird things are going on and how does Nick Fury even know about half this stuff anyway so we'll see I'm, I'm gonna give this issue like a 6 I mean it's exquisitely well illustrated I just don't know get what the point is really uh, next up is um, let's see The Punisher number 7 this continues to be kind of the, the big surprise for me. I just really didn't expect a lot from this Punisher book. Nothing against the creators, even, but I just so loved the last one. Uh, it's written by Kevin Moore and Nathan Edmondson, with artwork by Carmen Carnero, who I don't believe I know his artwork from anywhere else before. Um, it's 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 really cool. It's Punisher's capture, uh, you know, tries to escape. He's been hurt badly. He gets uh, patched up by this doctor who works with this... I guess cartel, he gets picked up, he's getting um, all sorts of tortured, and it looks like Crossbones and whoever he, Crossbones work for is going to purchase him. Uh, Punisher and this this uh, army medic is, are able to escape and uh, take off, and it looks like they're going to be going up against Crossbones uh, next issue. Really dug it, really solid, solid story. Um, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. Next up is Silver Surfer number 3. Now, this is just an absolute joy to read. Um, I mean, Mike Alred is just killing it on this book, but Dan Slott's doing an amazing job as well. It's just super fun. It's, uh, as I said, Slott and Alred. 
Um, it's hard to even really say what's going on here. I mean, Silver Surfer and Don Greenwood are basically trying to protect the Neverheart, and they're able to do so. They go up against the Incredulous Zed. Um, this is just absolute fun. I'm really interested in seeing where these characters go in the future. It's just, this is Marvel pop art fun. Uh, I'm going to give this a 9. It was that much fun. And I'm not even traditionally a fan of uh, of Howard's artwork, per se. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I hated his X-Force back in the day, but maybe that was just because I wasn't ready for it. Um, but uh, I'm just loving his work on Silver Surfer. Uh, next up is Supergirl 32. It's felt a bit like a, a ho-hum chapter. You got uh, Tony Bedard writing it with artwork by Emanuela Lupacino. Uh, you have uh, Kara Zor-El going up against... What the hell are these characters called? The uh, Diasporans um, to, to save Earth, basically. Uh, at the end, it looks like the Diaspora is really actually just trying to meld and kind of mind with... Um, become one with her and kind of take her over. It just felt like it was a kind of an overextended issue that didn't need to be as long. Like, this whole thing could have been a little bit shorter. Um, it was just a little bit mindless, so I'm going to give it a 6. Uh, next up is Thunderbolts, number 27, which I think I had dropped off for a few issues, but I jumped on just to see what it was like. Um, written by Ben Acker and Ben Blacker, uh, Carlo Barberi on the artwork, which I did like. Um, the artwork I really enjoyed, and... And I think it made the story a little bit easier to to enjoy. Um, it looks like it looks like the Thunderbolts are you know kind of at the school, but they're actually being mentally controlled by Doctor Faustus. Uh, it looks like they're going to add Doctor Faustus to kind of their unwilling participants in the Thunderbolts. Uh, Punisher decides he's leaving, and then he apparently gets blown up because you can't just quit the Thunderbolts. Um, it was all right. It wasn't the strongest issue, but I, I liked the artwork. The story was was okay. I'm going to give it a six and a half. Uh, maybe a six. Maybe I'm being too nice. Uh, next up is Uncanny X Men 22, which I haven't really been enjoying all that much. Um, as in general as a book, I can't believe it's already on this many issues actually. Um, so it's written by Bendis, artwork by Chris Piccolo. Uh, so what is it? We have uh, Magneto rescues Dazzler and gets her kind of fixed up uh, with the Uncanny X Men's healer. The helicarrier just go crazy against, uh, and the Sentinels go crazy against the um, uh, Jean Grey school. We find out that this guy in the bubble is actually a kind of a mutated and extra messed up dying Dark Beast. It doesn't even look like Dark Beast at any real point in here. Um, and then it's kind of over, and then we don't know what's going on with Dazzler. So I just, I don't know, I don't really care. I, I just found that what it was, it took a long time to get to this point. The, the whole issue kind of ended really simply. Um, the whole fact that it was Dark Beast felt very out of nowhere. Uh, there was no real good lead up to it. It just felt very generic. Um, this just wasn't a very strong issue. Wolverine and the X-Men number 5. This was better. I'm going to give this maybe a 6. Um, just because the part with Dupe was ridiculous. It's written by Jason Latour with artwork by Mahmoud Razrar and Matteo Loli. Um, we're continuing the storyline with the, uh, this, the Phoenix Corporation of the Future and all these characters. I do like the references to the Uncanny X-Force book. I like how Phantom X was written here. The artwork, I thought, was actually quite good. I really enjoyed the style, uh, the the uh, time travel that's going to happen. I can't wait to see what happens next issue in, in terms of the time traveling. So I'm going to give this a 7. Uh, 7.5. I've been hard on it, but I, I did enjoy this. And then last up is X-Men number 15. So this is written by... Uh, Brian Wood, with artwork by Matteo Bufagni, 
Um, this was really great with the future trying to uh, get uh, his hands on little baby Shogo. Um, and then kind of we get a glimpse of what could happen. And then we, it's all about kind of time travel. And I thought this was just really cool, clean, straightforward artwork. I really enjoyed it. The backup story um, with, uh, with Hellion, etc. was actually really interesting as well. The Bromo Superior arc. Um, yeah, I'm gonna. I really enjoyed this. I'm gonna give it a seven out of ten. Uh, did I really enjoy it? Nah, I, I, just a seven. <laughs> um, so that's everything from the last week's comics. The comics I didn't get a chance to read include the following: uh, Batwoman thirty-two, Fables one forty-one, George Romero's Empire of Dead Act one number five, Iron Man twenty-eight, Green Lantern New Guardians thirty-two, Harley Quinn number seven, Iron Patriot number four, Mad Magazine the Pride twenty-eight. Red Hood and the Outlaws, 32. Scribble Knots Unmasked, Crisis of Imagination, number 6. T Teen Titans Go, number 4. Thor, God of Thunder, 23. Trinity of Sin, Pandora, number 12. Ultimate FF, number 3. Unwritten Volume 2, Apocalypse, number 6. And Wonder Woman, 32. Uh, if we take a look forward at what's coming out... Well, actually, what's just come out this past week, so uh, on J June 25th, uh, we have the following... I'm not going to list all of them, but just some of the particular highlights... Uh, which include, uh, let's see, uh, the penultimate chapter of Batman uh, as part of the Zero Year storyline. Uh, we've got uh, another issue of Flash. We have the new issue of Justice League, which I'm excited about reading. Uh, new issues of Superman, which is the uh, beginning of the Jeff Johns, John Romita Jr. era, as well as new issue of Sinestro. Uh, if we look over at Marvel, we have uh, new issues of All New Dupe, All New Ghost Rider, All New Ultimates, new issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, for those who like the Avengers AI book, there's the second trade paperback. I don't even know if that's still going. Uh, the final chapter of Deadpool vs. Carnage. Uh, new issues of New Avengers and New Avengers Annual. Uh, we have the new issue of New Warriors, as well as issues of Original Sin 3.1 and Original Sins number 2, as well as Savage Hulk number 1, which is by Alan Davis, uh, which I actually dug. I have already actually read that. Uh, on the trade or a hardcover side, we also have um, the New Avengers Premier Hardcover Volume 3, Other Worlds. Uh, which is the storyline that comes after uh, Infinity. Uh, Superior Spider-Man Team-Up Volume 2 Superior 6, as well as the What If trade paperback for Age of Ultron, and the X-Men trade paperback Road to Onslaught Volume 2, which myself I'm super excited about. Anyways, so that is our episode. So thank you for joining me for this relatively quick episode of Comic Shenanigans. Next episode will be 178. Not really sure what that's going to be. I think it might be a solicitation episode looking at September, but I'm not really sure about timing. At some point, I think we might have an, a spotlight on Transformers Age of Extinction episode, but it definitely won't be coming out this week, so we'll be at a week after the movies come out. So uh, that should be out in the next couple days, episode 178, and then uh, on either 30th or the 1st we'll have uh, episode uh, 179, which will be the next reviews episode. Um, and then, as I said, episode 180, I have a feeling, might be the event, the uh, Age, of, Age of Extinction, Transformers Age of Extinction episode. Anyway, as we continue the march to episode 200, which I think by my estimate should be hitting around the end of August... Um, actually, speaking of August, August will also mark the two-year anniversary of the podcast as well. Hard to believe I've almost been doing this for two years and almost have, well, not almost, but I'm 23 episodes away from having done uh, 200 episodes. Well, that's kind of a misnomer because I think it was episode 102 was actually had an A and B, so even though this is episode 177, technically it's episode 178 if you look at the total numbers, but the official numbering does not count it. 
So, anyways, thank you for joining me for this episode. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. You can like the show on Facebook. Please rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, please let us know if you do rate and review us on iTunes so that we can uh, read your uh, comment on the air. Also, please subscribe to us on iTunes. It's the best way for me to uh, expand the audience for the show. Uh, also, in the future, I would I would hope to get uh, other comic book professionals on the podcast at some point, if possible. And it may not be, but yeah, we'll see what we can do. Anyways, thank you for joining me. I am your host, Adam Chapman. This has been Comic Shenanigans, episode 177, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye.